Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Songstress Nani Vazana is keeping an endangered Judeo-Spanish language alive. Born in Israel, the chart-topping trombonist, piano player, and music professor found inspiration for her latest album, an ancient text written in Ladino. Wisdom caught up with Nani after a performance at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. What's your relationship with Ladino? Ladino is a Jewish-Spanish language from the Middle Ages, and it almost extinct. My grandmother used to speak it. She passed away when I was 12, but I learned it from her a little bit in hiding when I was a kid because my father forbade us to speak the language at home. I kind of forgot about it. I went on to writing my own songs, like in English and in Hebrew. And while touring in Morocco, the first time I visited Morocco, I thought that would be a good opportunity to visit my grandmother's hometown. So I went to Fez, and then on the streets, I heard people singing a song that she sang to me when I was a child. Um, this flashback moment took me back to my childhood and made me research about Ladino. I kind of got back to it. Um, I started listening to the old classics. I released an album of traditional Ladino music. And last year I uh, released an, an album of original Ladino songs that I wrote myself. So the biggest community today is in Turkey um, of Ladino speakers. And there's a big community in Israel too. Uh, but it's not as alive because people who live in Israel, they mainly speak Ladino as a secondary language because I think Israel generally, especially with the big migration waves in the 50s and the 70s, they wanted to leave the past behind because people came from trauma. Uh, so then they wanted to kind of forget everything that happened in the old world. And then the people who came to Turkey, they were welcomed by the Ottoman Empire several hundred years ago, and they just stayed there. So they had the heritage and the ability to sustain the language throughout the generations. So that's why Ladino is more alive and kicking in Turkey. They even have their own newspaper, like a weekly newspaper in Ladino, the only one in the world. What's it like to write in Ladino and compose songs inspired by the language? the same like any other language. The only difference is that I had to acquire a lot of knowledge while writing because I'm not a native speaker and also I was distant from the language for like 15 years. So I had to relearn it. I took some lessons um, and then started basing my songs on the grammatical structures of old texts. So I wanted to say something new, but I didn't know how to say it. So I searched for old sentences that kind of have the same, um, let's say, 
um, pronouns, right? So like you you would you would choose something that is that is in female or in male, and I was like, okay, now how do I say this for myself because I'm a female? And then like I I researched that, and then I found the grammatical structures that are necessary for me, the the, the ones that the voice that I wanted to write in. Nani's father forbid speaking in Ladino, but Nani's grandmother was defiant. He didn't really give a reason. I think for him, like I said before, he wanted to leave the past behind and he wanted to assimilate. He wanted to be, to assume the identity of the new Israeli in a way. So he didn't want to have anything in common with the past. And it reminded him of, I guess, sad stories. I mean, his um his family came as refugees from Morocco so they experienced some hardships there and they didn't want to remember or did or they wanted a new reality and then that's my guess like if you if you talk to my dad he has all these stories that he tells about his childhood but they started the age of 13 so nothing happened before that I don't know anything what was your relationship with your grandmother like she was a very warm person I I didn't speak Ladino very well. She didn't speak Hebrew very well. So our communication was very, very emotional, very present. We cooked together a lot. Um, she told me some fairy tales, um, sometimes in a language that I didn't understand. <laughs> like I know a lot of kitchen words, like how to say pots and pans and forks and knives and these and names of vegetables. Yeah, I think I think she made me feel very safe. And I, one thing that I learned from her as how to be stubborn in a good way. And uh, like, she always got her way. Doesn't matter what, like, even when she was speaking Ladino to me, although she wasn't allowed to. So then let's say my father would catch her in the act and he would say like, hey, I told you not to speak Ladino in front of a child. And she would be like, oh, I always sing when I cook. I, I didn't notice, you know? And this is like, as a child, you want to know these tricks, right? <laughs> so she sang to you in the kitchen? A little bit. I mean, like she was not like a singer or anything, but she, but she knew that 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 was a way to make work in the kitchen fun. King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella signed a decree for the expulsion of all Jews from Spain on March 31st of 1492. 300,000 Spanish Jews were given four months to convert to Catholicism or liquidate their assets and immigrate. I guess it happened to a lot of other people. Um, not only Jews, also the Moors, I think, were sent away and other, other folks, the gypsies that were there. Um, but still, the Jews were like a huge mass of people, I, I guess more than the rest of the other groups. So then 
there was like this huge migration wave and they ended up mainly in the, in the Ottoman Empire but also in the north of Africa and some countries of the Balkan so that's why Ladino is kind of prevalent in these origins today and even Many traditional folk songs were originally written in Ladino. These melodies spread with migration. Like the, mel the melodies that we know, like the classical melodies in Ladino, you can find them in so many different countries, but then the songs are translated into their own local languages. So in a way, Ladino is the most influential musical language in Europe because all of these like traditional folk songs from the Balkan and from Turkey and from uh, from, from Morocco and uh, from uh, Tunisia and you know all these places they're actually Ladino songs just translated into the local languages which is which is really cool to discover you know as a, as a music maker who aspires to write in, in a new language. Nani Vazana's new album addresses modern themes with this ancient Ladino language. I mean, like, I really love fairy tales, so yeah, there are some folk tales also in my songs. But like, I really was looking to find topics that would go well with the language and not be religious, because all the existing, like the, the vast majority, like more than 98% of the existing texts in Ladino are religious. So especially at the beginning, when I was just starting to write my own lyrics, it was very hard to base like my modern day opinions <laughs> on on some religious texts because it's just not the same world we relate to also even if you are a religious person today religion is not taking the same space in your life like it did 500 years ago 500 years ago it was everything there was nothing else and now religion is a way of life that it coexists next to other things that you do um so i guess when you approach writing a timepiece from a current perspective, you cannot really rely on faking something that you don't really know what it is like. Like, let's say I would pretend now that I'm a Jew in 15th century. I would never be able to convey that feeling because I was not persecuted by the Inquisition. And I, I and I, I am, I was always a liberated woman. <laughs> I, I never had to I mean, I, I had my little struggles, but it's nothing to compare with what they had to go through back then. Like you can even see that in the lyrics when they always sing about the golden cages they want to escape from. So if I had to try and write from that perspective, I don't think I had succeeded. Uh, but because I just kept my own perspective and I used the old language to describe the millennial perspective that I have, then I think that is the reason why the songs are communicative to a lot of people because it's truly who I am so I, I'm not trying to copy anything it's just just me. In her research Nani discovered matrilineal aspects of this Judeo-Spanish language. It was passed from mother to daughter it was actually uh, the language was made by the women um, so then men Jewish tradition like especially back then like I said religion was your entire life so the men went to synagogue to study Torah during the day every day and um, and the women stayed at home and handled not only the house fairs but also um, everything else so the neighborhood the merchants shopping haggling uh, 
uh, gossiping because that's how you got news. You didn't know anything unless you gossiped, you know, back then, exchanging recipes, exchanging knowledge about uh, like the surroundings and vegetation. Is there an invasion? Is there anything that's happening? Like all these things were communicated. And then in what language? Because they, Hebrew was like a, a holy language. You were not allowed to speak it. The men were, were speaking Hebrew all day at the synagogue. But then locally they spoke Latin, you know, Middle Ages, Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal of our times. So then they picked up orally they, they didn't know how to read and write they were illiterate but they picked up orally and by memory on the local languages and then of course some other people were there too so like i said the moors uh, so they spoke arabic and they added some hebrew words that that they used at home as well and then the language evolved into spanish with a lot of mistakes and uh, array of different languages you know like jeweled into it kind of so in a way ladino is like a patchwork of a language it's latin with some performing for audiences around the world nani's met fellow ladino speakers almost in every show there will be someone in the audience that speaks ladino and they and very often because they're very passionate culture they would even shout from the audience querida gracias you know and it's like really really nice because you feel like you're you're at home it feels like you're being embraced by people who really want to have that kind of music uh, and but then the majority the vast majority of the people don't speak Ladino. Um, however, people who speak Spanish understand Ladino very well. Like about 70% of the language can be understood if you speak Spanish. So in that sense, it's not really an extinct language, right? Because you can preserve it by communicating to all the amazing people who speak Spanish around the world. Um, so that's why also I chose to use the Castilian accent and not the Ladino accent. A lot of people would write, like they talk back under the comments of my videos. So then like some videos have half a million views, right? So they will have like a hundred thousand comments. And then people would say like, hey, you're not pronouncing these words correctly. And I was like, um, well, it's a choice. I mean, I could I could do it exactly the way it is. But then, of course, some people debate what exactly is because uh, not everybody knows this was in the Middle Ages. So we don't really know what, what is the correct sound. Uh, but then on the other hand, if you want to communicate with an audience that is here and now, then I think the best shot of this language not being forgotten is to evolve. So that's why I brought the Castilian accent into uh, Ladino and that's why it sounds Spanish. Uh, and that's why I think a lot of people can connect to it. That's why it's becoming also more popular. Francis, Morenica Memi Yaman. So then in Castilian, it will be Morenica Yemi Yaman. Yeah. So that's like, it's a little softer, it's a little bit more musical. Um, so, which is also really good for singing, right? Um, so that makes it an easier task. <laughs> Both in preservation and in singing, you can sing much longer if you if you pronounce less consonants, more vowels. So yeah, I mean it. It is fun. I think it's a fun, sexy, interesting language, full of sensations and and it, it's you know it's very sensual. It's based when I say a word in Ladino, I immediately see an image, or I immediately smell something, or immediately have a feeling of what what it will feel like what is this fabric is going to feel against my hand you know so it's very 
it's very close to your senses. It's not the same as English or Dutch or Hebrew when, when, where it feels like you have to define something. You know, this is velvet. No, Ladino is, is very much emo- an emotional language for me. Maybe it's because I knew it when I was a child. And, and maybe that's also when I read in Ladino, my perspective is a little bit like the perspective of a child. I haven't lost the naivete of writing in Ladino. So, yeah, so it's a little bit of a challenge. I think the songs that I read in Ladino are the happiest I ever wrote. Like uh, in, in English, I have sarcasm and depression and, <laughs> you know, and other, other feelings that you don't, you know, because you've evolved into it as a grown up. But in Ladino, I only have a child's play, feel, feelings. So it's a different world. In her research, Nani discovered some surprising historical documents. So when I started researching for the album, I didn't know how to write in Ladino yet. So I thought like, well, let's make the job easier and let's research for existing texts that I could compose music for. And um, I went to this library in the Netherlands in Leiden and this rabbi showed me all these books and everything was religious. And I just, it was just not, I did a lot of research and I couldn't find anything. And then I, 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 I talked to him and said, listen, I really need, to find something else. And then he, okay, he said, okay, I'll send you some texts. And then I got an email from him uh, with a few texts that really, really surprised me. One of them was um, uh, a poem that was written by a rabbi from the 11th century that was a homoerotic poem. He wrote a love song for a man, which is like, okay, we, we think we are so cool today and we know everything, but actually people were cool also before. Um, and then another text was this text about um, a 14-year-old girl from the 13th century that comes out to her parents and she wants to be recognized as a boy. And like when I read this text, I thought like, okay, this is so fitting to what I've been looking for. To I'm trying to do something from a millennial perspective and a dead language. And this was just given to me on on a tray of silver, as they say. Um, and then you read a little bit further in the text and you see, you find a lot of disturbing things in the text too, you know, like uh, like the, the father wants to kick her out of the house. He says that she's a disgrace. Um, uh, and then like the exchanges, yeah, but you never had a son. You, nobody had to go to war for you. So I will go to war for it. So it's also like a violent, you know, uh, part of the of the poem but then eventually the mother interferes and she, she puts her foot down and she's like okay you're not going to kick our daughter out of the house I'm going to kick you out of the house if you don't compromise which is cool female empowerment I like that a lot and then eventually um, the father is kind of out of, I mean he's not there anymore I don't know if he, she got him kicked out or not but he's not in the last verse and in the last verse the mother accepts um her daughter as a son she says okay i accept you as my son you have the making of a man and um yeah i had chills on my spine when i read that and i thought like yes this is i need to compose music for this and this was so fast i just sat down at the piano and it just came to me right away i didn't have to think about it and um yeah it evolved very quickly and after i wrote the music to this song then i very easily started composing also my own lyrics in, in Ladino, because I think that was kind of the bridge to cross over into independent writing. And then the song I wrote after that is Una Secunda Piel, which is uh, the first song I wrote in Ladino, which is entirely texts and music of my own. And this one talks about uh, an alternative 
well, you could call it a retirement ceremony or maybe a passing away ceremony. Uh, it's where you invite your family and friends to sew around you the shroud of the dead. Uh, but actually it's about rebirth because uh, when you lie in that cocoon, you're supposed to meditate and think about all the things you want to leave behind. And then nobody's dead, right? Like you invited them to a party. And you emerge from the cloth that goes into the cupboard as a symbol to all the things you wanted to leave behind. From now on, you start your lives anew without worries or cares. And uh, yeah, so there was also a nice symbol of that. That's the first song that you write, you know? It's like, okay, I have no worries or cares. Uh, cares. I just want to write in Ladino. Let's try it out. Estos días espera tú a venir que amor será brillante para de mi corazón. Una cosa te diré, querida, el mundo no queda así. Muchas cosas yo Which are your favorite songs to perform? I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, it depends where you are in your life. I think, but also, yeah. I mean, Una Segunda Piel is a very, is a very happy-go-lucky song. The audience sings along also in that song, so that's it's very hard opening to to witness that performance and to be a part of it. Uh, but there's also an English song called Hey You that I wrote in, my, in one before, so two albums ago, not the last two, the one before, and. That's also a, a sing-along song that people sing a lot in the shows. I think that's probably my most popular song because it has been used also for like campaigns and stuff like that. And I wrote it for people who don't feel at peace with themselves. It's about self-worth. So if you need a little bit extra self-worth, when you listen to the song, you get it. Yeah, that, that's a very encouraging song. Nadi Vazan has toured 30 countries, averages 100 concerts per year, and has performed for over a million people. She's more than qualified to teach fellow musicians how to market themselves internationally. Tell us about why DIY music. It's an initiative I started in 2017 to help musicians um, work without representation because the music industry is very small and I'm a self-represented artist and I've experienced the difficulties in not having representation and, you know, going forward with your career. Um, and I managed to create a, a, a breakthrough for myself with my music. And then because of that, a lot of people asked me for advice, uh, which I was very happily giving, especially at the beginning, free of charge. Um, but at a certain point, I started getting like five or six emails per day 
you know, for mentoring and, and calls and stuff like that. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I need to focus on my career. So that's why I made this website, ydiymusic.com, where people can just get free information about launching their international careers. And then at a certain point, because, you know, that took off a little bit, and then also my career took off a little bit more, people started getting more interested. And then I, st I started getting invited to do some panels and lectures in, uh, in, in music events around the world, like conferences and trade fairs and educational uh, events and stuff like that. Um, that was also very successful. I mean, like I didn't really plan for this to happen. And at a certain point I was asked to release some courses. So then now on the website, you also have two courses. They're for a very symbolic fee. You can download a wealth of materials and learn on your own. And now, and some universities approached me to um, include this, these two courses in the roster. So now these courses are also being taught by me at the Lana Performing Academy of Music at the Jerusalem Music Academy. And I'm now also a guest lecturer at the Code Arts University in Rotterdam. Um, so that all these things. And recently, about six months ago, I started a one-on-one -on -one trajectory that I only have six students per year. I can't do more than that because I don't have the capacity and that's a year training where people can come and really learn like and, and we, we actually create the breakthrough together like during that year so yeah I just have the first student that graduated so she's like super successful now <laughs> I'm super proud of, of her process how do you find time to do it all? You're also a professor at the London Performing Academy of Music and the Jerusalem Music Academy. I have to do all the lessons by Zoom because otherwise it's just not working. That's why I also took the contracts because um, they promised me that I will be able to do it online because originally when they approached me, they were like, I come to the campus. I was like, I can't do it. I, I just can't because music is such a huge calling for me and it has to be that. And if I can do something next to it, great. But I will never give up my touring career for anything else. We've been speaking with musician, singer-songwriter Nani Vazana. You can find her music and tour dates at nanimusic.com and find her DIY music website at ydiymusic.com. We're going to hear Una Segunda Piel of Que Haber. <laughs> Próxima vida 
You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. 